Hello everyone and welcome to The Stagey Place, the podcast where we hear chat to writers, directors, producers, designers, anyone and everyone who works backstage to create the magic that you see on stage. And in today's episode, we are joined by a musician in theatre, Nicola T. Chang, who is currently working on two productions in the UK, the first being My Neighbour Totoro, which returns to the Barbican Theatre after a sellout run in 2022, as well as the UK tour of fantastically great women who changed the world where Nicola is the assistant musical director and also performs keys and percussion on stage. I really hope that you enjoy this interview with Nicola. We recorded this while she was in one of the tech days of My Neighbour Totoro at the Barbican Theatre. So there is a little bit of background noise throughout this interview but hopefully you'll still be able to take something away from what is an amazing chat about music within theatre. So sit back, relax, and I hope that you enjoy episode 123 with Nicola T. Chang. Hello, Nicola, and welcome to The Stage Place. How are you doing today? I'm good, thanks. Hi, Elliot. How are you? I'm really good, thank you. Nicola, I'm so excited to have you on today. I was talking to you before this recording about how I introduce you, because you have so many job titles within the industry in terms of sound design and musical director and assistant musical director. And I was asking how you would like to be defined. You said a musician that works in theatre and yes. occasionally in film and TV. There's going to be so much that we're going to talk about today, but obviously there are two big projects that are currently going to be on when this podcast goes out and that's Mm -hmm. Totoro at the Barbican Theatre and you've also got Fantastically Great Women Who Changed the World which is on its UK tour from the end of 2023 to 2024. We're going to be talking about all of that in today's episode. First of all what I love to ask all of my guests is how they got into theatre. So for you Nicola where did the journey start for you with theatre and they wanted to get into it as a career? Okay so I grew up in Hong Kong and had a percussion teacher and he showed me a video of Stomp when I was seven and I thought it was the coolest thing ever and then half across the world you're watching people just play music for a living and having a great time and then it became sort of my lifelong ambition to just join Stomp. I didn't know what it was, I didn't know what it meant. I was seven. And then that was what started it actually. I moved to the UK nine years ago and I hung around, had a desk job for a bit and then auditioned for the show and then got in. And that's what started it. I started as a performer in the show and that's what kickstarted theatre for me. And then because I was performing at night and I wanted to have something else and I also really liked to write music. And so I just started sort of sound designing smaller scale shows, small scale venues, and that's how the sound design bit started. And then I slowly phased out doing Stomp. I performed in Six and Musical a little bit, and then just continued sound design full time. I still perform on the side. I make sure that I spend about 10% of my year, or 10% of my career performing, because it still gives me a lot of joy where I started. And I, I think it gives me a particular connection to what happens on stage. Yeah, that's sort of the long and short of it, really. Absolutely, because like we say, four fantastic great women who changed the world, you are on stage, obviously, Mm. doing the percussion and the keys. So obviously, you know, people can see you on stage. And like you said there, you know, doing six as well, years ago as well, obviously has that as well. So obviously, you do all of these projects, but where does it start for you with each project? Because obviously, you must get brought on to the team. But then how do you conjure up all these musical motifs and stuff for every project? You know, you do so many. Where is the starting point for you when a project starts? That's a really good question. I think, first of all, I take on board anything, any kind of influence and inspiration the director has. So I've gone to the Greenwich Observatory. I've gone to the Tate Museum. I've gone to watch art house films. Because just because the director mentioned something that oh, made me feel like this. So I think a sound designer and a musician and composer 
what we do is we translate something that's on stage into something that's quite universal. What the musician, the stage musician does, whether you are writing the music or performing the music, is you translate something that is so profoundly unique and personal, just that character on stage is something that's very universally understood and accepted by the audience. So I think that's a skill that I try to hone and that's where it starts from, is taking any inspiration from a director and any inspiration I've got myself. It could be a playlist, I could be looking, I could be reading the script and finding bits of books. Like they, they, and I was trying to find, at this point in my career, trying to find one generative idea. I think making a lot out of very little is quite an interesting thing and a very high payoff for audiences. So I find a generative cell, it could be chord progression, it could be a melodic idea, it could be sound effect, it could be just color. And that's where it starts. And I make offers, I respond and always bounce ideas off and never take anything personally. Because it's just trying. And actually, I love no's. I much rather have no for an answer than a yes. And no means don't go that direction. But a yes is actually opens up more avenues for you to go, okay, so actually that doesn't help me define and narrow down anything I need to know. And yeah. courage knows. Yeah. And obviously we were saying that this year, obviously with Totoro and with Fantastically Great Women, these are shows that have had the building stages as we were talking mm-hmm. about for this interview they had the building stages in previous years so what is it like returning to these shows when they've already been built previously like what does your role entail with these shows this year obviously with fantastically great women you are on stage again so it's really nice to be back with the team and a new team as well we should say you know with shows like that but with Totoro obviously with sound and all that you know what does that entail you are here actually doing this interview from the Barbican today so tell us what you're doing today for example so it's Today, we are taking Act 1, Scene 7 of the show. Today, I am I'm going to quiet time in, in about 12.30, which means I get to play the sound effects and soundscapes and make sure they blend in well and tell the story well. You know how you all have friends that you maybe grew up with or you went to uni with that you drift apart for a bit. And when you come back together, you always have the most banging conversation. That's what going to a show, going back to a show that you love feels like, really, is that you go back, you go, oh, oh yeah, and that bit, oh yeah, and that bit. And you sort of realize, oh, that, that was nice, and that was good. And you rediscover the joy that is already inherent in the project. Because obviously, uh, and I'm sure a lot of people who listen to this podcast understand that when you're building a show, sometimes the stress and pressure takes over the joy. Or just, you know, you feel stress, the stress is upon you. And that's what it feels like to go revisit a show and to, and to invite new friends in. We've got new cast members, in both cases, and new team members in both cases, you just invite new people in. And yeah. because you know it's good for the longevity of it, I think it's just to invite you know, someone else that's new to a friend group. That's what it genuinely feels like. You've got a banging friend group. Some people just go off to something else and you come back and you've got new friends. Banging again. It's going to be great. That kind of thing. <laughs> it feels good. Yeah, exactly. And so we must talk, obviously, I know you, we've worked on an R&D process before in the past, but today, obviously, I want to chat a little bit about fantastically great women who changed the world, because obviously yeah. it is going on tour it, from London to Salford to Cardiff, Coventry, Chichester, so many different places. What is your favourite thing about touring that you love? Touring is fun. London, there's a churning kind of thing in London. And sometimes when you work out of London, and you get to experience different audiences and different experiences in theatres and work in different spaces and meet new teams. You can't just have much a much broader way of looking at in tech, if that makes any sense. Because yeah. in London, I feel like we kind of arrive and we put all our heads in and, and then you, come, you go hang out afterwards and then you go home and buy you know, 12 midnight and you get up again and you do it all over again. And whereas you work outside of London, you tend to have more time, you travel less, you become closer with your colleagues. And that's the best thing about it. You sort of just rethink the way that you can make theatre together. Yeah. And you have that, you have a different benchmark of how it could be done. It's just, you tend to be slightly more chill sometimes. And you just, you know, see new things and meet new people and and try new foods and try restaurants and go hang out and just make memories, you know? It's, it's a fun thing. It's really fun. 
Yeah, and obviously we should say that Fantastically Great Women obviously features a lot of women, as we say, who have changed history, you know, been a part of history and changed the world, such as Frida Kahlo and uh, Emmeline Pankhurst and Amelia Earhart. So when you were talking earlier on about researching and go to these different places, going to Greenwich, you know, going to the Tate Modern and stuff, when you are, you know, looking at a show like this and you've got all these amazing women, how do you research these women to then, like, create the sound of the show? So musically, the soundtrack is banging. And I think there is a certain sound and the palette for each woman's sort of song. And I think it takes a lot of knowing what the intention behind each song is and then trying to find your own way of interpreting it. If that makes any sense, because my role as a keys two player and as a percussionist is to, I've got dots. I read what's on the page and then there is a certain amount of wiggle room always. And that allows you to develop a piece because, you know, over three minutes, if you have the same consistent baseline, every night you'd be like, okay, that's beautiful. You kind of want journey as it were. So I think it takes that to no intention behind whether it's ahead of the beat, behind the beat, whether it drives or not. The ballad number that Rosa Parks sings, you know, you want to be slightly behind and have push and pull. Whereas there is um, These Not Words, which is an Emily Pankhurst song, you kind of want to be ahead of the beat, you want to drive a little bit. That's the important bit, knowing the spirit of each song and each character. Absolutely. And so, you know, if, if people are considering coming to watch Fantastically Great Women whilst it's on tour, I would say, should. why should they though, Nicola? What is the reason why they should come and see the show? I love this show. It's the third iteration and I've been involved in it every single time. I think there is primarily something in there for everybody. It is bright and heartfelt and honest and genuine. The performances are stunning. It's funny. The music is banging. But also I think it's a gift. It's one of those shows that gives everybody a little gift to take home. It's a show that I wish I had when I was growing up as well. I think that's really important. I think a lot of people have told me that it's a show they wish they could have watched when they were younger. And almost like they feel like, oh, it's a shame that it's made now when I'm a lot older, when I'm you know at this age. Which is interesting because it's incredibly empowering. It's not just a show for young women who want to become a fantastic great woman. It's a story that has our 10 fantastically great women who changed the world. We illustrate their journeys. But there is the 11th fantastic great woman and that is our central character you follow her journey through her life and her understanding and her navigation of the stories that she takes from these 10 women and how she then takes these stories on to do what she needs to do in her life absolutely well thank you so much mm. Nicholas, for talking about that and again that is fantastically great women who changed the world which runs on its uk tour from london through to nottingham so all the way through until march 2024 in our episode notes we'll have all of the tour dates and everything for that show as well i just wanted to end a question before i finish the final two questions that we always ask on the podcast looking ahead to the future obviously you've had a lot of work you've had a lot of credits and stuff like this what is the next big challenge that you would like to conquer in the future is there anything that you haven't done which you want to do or you are doing but can't say at the moment that you are excited for for the future the next challenge is upskilling because I came into sound design through quite a unexpected route. I never thought, I just genuinely never thought I'd be doing this. I stumbled into sound design and just sort of was like, oh, this is really, really great. I really enjoy this. And I am enjoying the people around and making, you know, this is, I'm trying to I'm make a career here. Because you stumble into something, you start to realize what peripheral skills you don't have. And that's just the next challenge is to find the time to balance. And that's just technical stuff, really. That's yeah. the next big challenge is, is finding that time to upskill the good thing is noticing what your skill gaps are the bad thing obviously you have to sort of balance between projects yeah. and upskilling but you always make it work you know it's, it's, it's a good place to be it's a really good place to be in your career to realize that you have to upskill that's really good as well it's like it's like knowing that you're not just settling for what you're doing at the moment you want to keep 
pushing yourself and keep just like any creative should be like you know if someone's going to start doing a tour someone's going to start producing they're going to need to know all of these other little bits that come into it and stuff like that so for you to not only just be a sound designer but to you know want to keep your skill zone above mm-hmm. it all especially because everything changes so often it feels like that every single you know year month the course of theatre is changing and how we yes. make theatre right so you want to keep on top of everything there is a relevancy of what the theatre is always you know ahead of the curve it's always trying to tell us what society needs to hear and is thinking and not thinking relevancy of your work is also very important I think exposing yourself to a lot of different art forms is equally informative to your craft as is just working at it well Nicola thank you so much for answering that question we're now going to move on to the final two questions and the first is about advice that you may have for people coming into this industry we're going to talk specifically working in music and sound so Nicola for people who are maybe leaving drama school want to go to drama school what advice would you have for them coming into this industry yeah I've got two pieces of advice um two pieces of suggestions it's number one finding your tribe I wouldn't be where I am now without the support of people who back me, who believe in me, and who I find a lot of camaraderie with. And that could be the communities that you involve yourself in. It could be finding your tribe and finding people who will have your back and be able to bounce a lot of things off of. Because I think most amazing and tricky things about working in theatre is yeah, you feel a lot of things, right? You watch something, you feel a lot of things. You make something, you feel a lot of things. And not all these feelings often are shared amongst your team. There'll be some people that you can share these feelings with and who get able to go, oh yeah, you know, I felt that that time. And then they can able to give you a you know the comfort and advice that some other people on the team might not be able to give you and the second suggestion is finding people that you like the work of and then just reaching out i think a lot of people's careers mine certainly i had a jump when i reached out to people that i admire and i like their work and i went oh can i shadow you or be okay and then I think a lot of people are very, very generous and to believe in that kind of kindness from the people in the industry. It's hard when you see around you that may not always be that, but there are good ones out Yeah, absolutely. It's really interesting as well because we just had Matthew Zia on the podcast and he literally had the exact same advice. Find your tribe and connect with people who you admire within the industry. So it's just amazing <laughs> and interesting to hear that everybody does kind of feel the same way, especially that second piece of advice there, reaching out to people, you know, people don't mind being reached out to just for a cup of tea or just for an email exchange or whatever. Like people think that if they're coming into this industry, for people who have worked on established shows and stuff like that, there's some sort of gate or a barrier in the way of connecting with those people. But actually, we're all just human. We're all just working on something that, that we love. And that's what theatre is. And so there is no harm in reaching out. And also, a lot of people who are in the established shows or you know, whatever position that you want to aspire to be, a lot of them wouldn't be there without the generosity of others as well. Yeah. I think there is a culture of paying it forward amongst the good mm. ones. And I, and I want to believe that and I do believe that. Yeah, I love that. Paying it forward. That is such a lovely term to use for this sort of thing so thank you so much Nicola for answering that question Nicola we're going to move over to the final question of the podcast now which is the title of this podcast that's the stagey place and what I love to ask everybody who comes onto the stagey place is where their stagey place is so for you Nicola maybe it's one of these venues that you've had researching different types of things or maybe it's the base where you're creating sound design or maybe it's a venue which you aspire to work in and have worked in now maybe it's the Barbican I know that you've done some 
work at the Orange Tree Theatre as well, which is lovely. And obviously you've worked on for Black Boys as well at the Apollo Theatre. So maybe it's a show as well that's maybe become a stage place for you over these past few years. So for you, Nicola T. Chang, answer me this. Whereabouts is your stagey place? I think my stagey place is my family's living room when I was about five or six. And the reason for that is now I think back, I would just program shows, write a little program on A4 sheet of paper, but hand it out to like the family members, the aunts and aunties and like aunts and uncles and like watch the show and I'd be doing something really stupid like reading a book. These memories only start flowing back to me in the past year and a half to be. It's where I first discovered what it feels like to be in front of people. It's a very vulnerable thing, theatre. Yeah. I think profoundly you're always in a position of vulnerability, whether you're directing, designing or performing. I'm giving you some part of myself that is emotionally invested in something. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And like you say there, like, you know, going back to this first question about how you got into theatre and stuff, and, you know, you start talking about you as, as a young age, you know, coming back to that, it feels very full circle that one of the stage places is somewhere that you were in your childhood. Like, that's wonderful. When Stomp to China, I then treated my teacher, professional teacher, who showed me the video, and I treated him to the show and took him up for dinner afterwards. And that was that was the most incredible full circle moment of my life and he, he was just talking about how um he really wanted me to do it and i was like, I was like this is all your fault mate <laughs> all your fault <laughs> yeah but also um teachers who were with you they see a lot they know you a lot more than you give them credit for i think yeah so yeah it was just nice to chat to him as a performer to performer adult to adult having both done our journeys it was an incredible experience that and like you say, it goes back to your answer about advice as well. It's paying it forward. That's another yeah. thing of paying it forward. You know, giving that chance to have your teacher see the show that, you know, you first saw on a video screen with you now on stage when you've toured it to China is is a wonderful, wonderful story. <laughs> I know. It's, I suddenly about like, oh, that, that happened. That's it. I think sometimes just it's a gift, isn't it? I think yeah. certainly it's a gift to, to do, to perform, to make. And that's what I think our work is a lot of the time is making gifts to take away. Yeah, absolutely. And what a wonderful way to end this podcast. A lovely story to end and a lovely interview with you Nicola once again we've talked about a couple of projects today but mainly fantastically great women who changed the world which is on its UK tour from London through to Nottingham we'll have all the tour dates on our episode notes wherever anyone is streaming this episode but also my neighbour Totoro which is back at the Barbican Theatre this festive season Nicola thank you so much for coming on thank you Elliot and there we go that was our interview with Nicola T Chang the assistant musical director on the UK tour of fantastically great women who changed the world but also works in the sound department for My Neighbour Totoro which is back at the Barbican Theatre this year after a sellout run in 2022. I'd love to thank Nicola so much for coming on to the podcast. I really loved our chat and even though we did have the background noise I really loved listening to what she had to say about this industry and about her journey into theatre and a little bit about why you should be booking your tickets for Fantastically Great Women Who Changed the world like i said in that interview we have all of the tour dates for the show as well as the dates for my neighbor totoro in our episode notes so do make sure you check those out wherever you are listening to this episode of the stagey place if this is the first time you are listening to the stagey place and would like to know a little bit more about us and what we produce here on the podcast you can find us on social media at the stagey place on instagram x and tiktok 
Join us next week on the podcast where we'll be joined by Danusha Samal, the writer of Cinderella, which is currently at Brixton House, but also the co-writer of Bodies, which you can stream now on Netflix. So until next week, whenever you'd like to rejoin us here on the Stagey Place podcast, I hope you're keeping safe and staying stagey. Goodbye.